I'm Maria Titizian. And I'm Rubina Margosian, and welcome to the Week in Review for the week of August 20. In the news, COVID numbers are rising yet again in Armenia. The situation on the Armenia-Azerbaijan border continues to claim lives. And the water crisis in Artsakh's capital has yet to be resolved. The COVID-19 situation in the country remains tense as new variants of the virus continue emerging. Compared to the previous week, a 35% increase was registered in the number of confirmed cases. According to the latest updates, 10 hospitals are treating infected patients. A total of 929 citizens are hospitalized, 483 are in serious condition, another 100 are in critical condition. Health Minister Anahit Avanesian said during a consultation with the Prime Minister that vaccination remains remains the most effective way to prevent the spread of the virus. Starting from October 1, people will be required to present a vaccination certificate to their employers. If they are not vaccinated, then they will be obliged to take a PCR test every two weeks. As of August 16, over 220,000 people were vaccinated in Armenia. And the Armenian government acquired 200,000 doses of the Chinese Sinopharm vaccine. This is for 100,000 people, which will soon be available in polyclinics and mobile vaccination clinics across Armenia. Earlier, the World Health Organization approved the emergency use of this vaccine. And both you and I, Rubina, are now double vaccinated. So congratulations. As of yesterday, and, uh, for me. Yes, and encourage everyone to go out and get vaccinated. Now about the situation on the Armenia-Azerbaijani state border over the past week. In the early morning hours of August 16, Azerbaijani forces tried to advance their positions near Sevlich or Black Lake. This is in the southern Sunik region. The Armenian side responded and was able to halt their movement. One Azerbaijani serviceman was reported killed. On the same day, the defense ministry reported that two Armenian servicemen were shot dead in separate border clashes. Senior Corporal Vahan Tatosyan was killed by an Azerbaijani sniper near Yerasch. This is on the Armenia Nakhichevan part of the border. The Armenian side uh, again launched countermeasures resulting in Azerbaijani casualties, this according to Armenia's defense ministry. Private Arman Hagopian sustained a fatal gunshot wound as a result of an intense skirmish in the Kerarkunik section of the Armenia-Azerbaijan border. According to Armenia's Ministry of Defense, the Azerbaijani side had at least three casualties following retaliatory uh, operations by the Armenian military. And earlier, Azerbaijani armed forces also fired at Armenian positions near the village of Aravuz in the Sunik region. The shooting took place in an area where Azerbaijani forces are deployed a few hundred meters away from the civilian homes. Azerbaijani forces stopped shooting after municipal authorities, the command of Armenia's 1st Army Corps, and Russian border guards arrived. Ombudsman Arman Tatoyan also reported that the Azerbaijani military opened fire towers the villages of Kut and Norabak in the Gerarkunik region region using different caliber weapons. Residents were evacuated to shelters. The actions of the Azerbaijani armed forces are criminal, directly aimed at killing people, undermining security and peace of people, read the statement by Tatoyan. The following day on August 17, one Armenian soldier was injured after Azerbaijani forces started firing on Armenian positions near the Sotk section of the Armenia-Azerbaijani border in Kerarkunik, uh, using different caliber firearms. Shooting continued during the day, consequently killing one Azerbaijani servicemen and injuring another. Employees of the Sotk gold mine were evacuated and the operation of the mine 
was temporarily suspended. And Sotk is this mine that's half between yeah. Armenia and Azerbaijan mm-hmm. uh, following the end of the 44-day war. And again, on August 17, about three hectares of grass-covered area near the southwestern border of Artsakh was set on fire because of the shootings provoked by Azerbaijani armed forces. Afterwards, Azerbaijani forces started firing at Armenian firefighters attempting to put out the bushfire. The Russian peacekeeping mission in Artsakh was informed about the incident. And over the past week, 11 more bodies were recovered from areas that are now under Azerbaijani control. DNA examination testing is underway to reveal their identities since November 13. A total of 1,645 bodies have been found during search operations, and these operations uh, are continuing and they're becoming more and more difficult as time is going by. The foreign ministry, Armenian foreign ministry, issued a statement condemning the provocations of the Azerbaijani site that they are aimed at undermining the efforts towards de-escalation and hindering regional security and peace. The statement went on to note that actions are accompanied by the threats of Azerbaijani top leadership towards the sovereignty and territorial integrity of Armenia and use of force against Artsakh. All of these, according to the ministry, are aimed at preventing the resumption of the peace process under the auspices of the OSC Minsk Group co-chairs, as well as the unblocking of all communication links in the region. Russian Foreign Minister Sergei Lavrov has called on Russian cargo carriers to utilize the transit potential of Nagorno-Karabakh. He noted that reconstruction is underway to restore necessary infrastructure and highways and urged them to pay attention to those economically viable sort of opportunities and areas. Lavrov stressed that it is important Russia actively participate in the economic development of neighboring territories. And Maria Zakharova, the spokesperson of the Russian foreign ministry, responded to the statements made by Aliyev this week. This was in a CNN interview who expressed his dissatisfaction about Russia's promise to supply arms to Armenia. The Russian defense minister Sergei Shoigu said this during the meeting with his Armenian counterpart Arshak Karapetyan recently. She said that official Moscow takes into account the need to maintain the balance of power in the region and that supplying weapons to foreign countries is Russia's sovereign right. Over the weekend, the Russian Defense Ministry accused Azerbaijani armed forces of violating the ceasefire regime in Nagorno-Karabakh, although Russia has repeatedly called for restraint by both sides. This was the first time that Russia directly accused one side, in this case Azerbaijan, of violating the ceasefire agreement. And Sergei Koperkin, the Russian ambassador to Armenia, who is on vacation, however, he visited the village of Yeraskh on the section of the Armenian-Nakhichevan border, where the situation has been tense in the past several weeks. According to the statement issued by the embassy, Koperkin visited different sections of the border, as well as met with Armenian and Russian border guards. In the meantime, President of Azerbaijan, Ilham Aliyev, you know, again has started or hasn't stopped making provocative statements, speaking about the infiltration of Azerbaijani forces into the sovereign territory of Armenia near uh, Black Lake in Sunik, Aliyev stressed that Azerbaijani servicemen are on their land and that Armenians occupied those areas for over 30 years. Aliyev went on to say that when the snow started to melt in May, Azerbaijani troops approached the border, strengthened their positions in Zankezur, and that they are now engaged in the restoration of the state border. Um, this is uh, We have two articles, actually, that we published this week uh, about the Aliyev regime's position. Um, one is by Dr. Nersis Kopalin, talks about this illusions of 
grandeur that he has and the others by Datevi Khairabedian. She's an expert on Azerbaijan, both talking about Aliyev government's, you know, almost attempt at halting any kind of peace process at this time. So and those are two. Dr. Kopolian specifically talks about the arms supply to Armenia, the Russian arms supply mm-hmm. to Armenia, and what it means for Russia for the first time to say, well, it was Azerbaijan right. that... Uh, Because for the last 30 years, it yes. has always been about both sides. Both sides. Mm-hmm. Despite the tensions on the Armenia-Azerbaijani state border, the trilateral working group led by the deputy prime ministers of Armenia, Azerbaijan, and Russia resumed its activities this week. The group that works on the unblocking of all communication links in the region had its last meeting back in April and negotiations stopped because of the situation on the border. The meeting was held in Moscow and according to the statement issued by the Russian government, the parties discussed the work carried out within the framework of the January 11th statement signed by the leaders of the three countries. Also this week, um, an, a very tragic incident, the bodies of three soldiers, uh, Private Murat Muradian, Levon Harutunyan and Gor Sahagyan, all three were born in 2002 were found in a military base located in Sunik region. All three had sustained fatal gunshot wounds. The defense ministry told Armen Press that whatever happened had nothing to do with uh, the Azerbaijani military. Later, a conscript of the same military unit was arrested on suspicion of killing his fellow servicemen. The investigation is ongoing, and we will be providing updates uh, about this situation as we uh, know them. On August 18, the parliament held a closed-door session regarding the situation on Armenia's border. Seyran Ohanian, the head of the Armenia Alliance faction, was the one who had proposed holding a discussion, considering that the situation has been tense over the past week. Deputy Chief of the General Staff of Armenian Armed Forces, Edward Asaryan, was among those that took part in the meeting. Now we don't have information about the discussions because it was a closed-door meeting. And the former Speaker of Parliament, Ararat Mirzoyan, is now Armenia's new Foreign Affairs Minister. Mirzoyan uh, will be replacing first Deputy Foreign Minister Armin Grigorian, who had taken on the responsibilities of the Foreign Minister. In the absence, we hadn't had a Foreign Minister for three months after Ara Ayvazian resigned back in May. And actually, the entire cabinet had been assigned except for uh, the Foreign, Foreign Minister. Minister. So this was just yesterday or the day before, sorry, that uh, Arad Mirzoyan was appointed. He, as I said, Armen Krikorian will now return back to being the secretary of the Security Council. So now we have the a cabinet that is fully appointed with only one woman. Just yes. Yeah. And we have a primer on our website. That's about right, who's about who. who's who, yeah. And this week, Prime Minister Nikol Pashinyan presented the government's five-year program. It consists of six sections, including security and foreign policy, economy, law, and justice, development of infrastructure, human capital, and institutions. The Prime Minister noted that the most important factors for ensuring Armenia's security are economic development and social stability. He explained that having a strong economy will generate the resources needed to ensure the security of Armenia and Artsakh. Unblocking of all regional communication links is also a factor that, according to the five-year program, can strengthen the security of the country. With regards to social security, the government program aims to increase the minimum salary from the the current 68,000 Armenian drums to 85,000 Armenian drum. Uh, it also sets out to provide a 50,000 Armenian drum monthly financial assistance to every third and more children up to six years of age. Regarding the Nagorno-Karabakh conflict, the government program stresses that Armenia is willing to re-engage in the negotiation process 
under the auspices of the OSC Minsk Group co-chairs. Pashinyan uh, noted that the trilateral working group has already resumed its activities and will be working on the reopening of the communication links in the region in accordance with the January 11th statement signed in Moscow. But although unblocking is one of Armenia's foreign policy priorities, that process cannot take place at the expense of the security and vital interests of Armenia and Artsakh. And program also calls on reducing the length of time uh, soldiers who are conscripted into the military serve. Armenia plans to transition to a professional contract service army by 2026. That's very ambitious. Right now, conscripts serve 24 months in the military. According to Pashinya, military reforms will be largely based on the lessons learned. And according to the program, Armenia is ready to make efforts in order to normalize relations with Turkey without any preconditions. It states that the lack of diplomatic relations with Turkey, the close borders, as well as Turkey's active involvement in the 44-day war, had a negative impact on peace and stability in the region. In the section on relations with the diaspora, the program proposes to organize educational and scientific events for the preservation of Western Armenian, which will consequently strengthen the status of Western Armenian in schools and higher educational institutions. Well, I'm happy to hear that. Well, the government has already approved this five-year plan, and it still needs to go to uh, the National Assembly, and it will mostly happen uh, in the next week. Speaking of Parliament, according to a decision by the 17-member council uh, that operates within the legislature, restrictions were imposed on journalists carrying out their professional activity in Parliament, 13 in favor, 4 against. With the proposed changes, journalists will be able to work in specifically designated areas only, including the gallery, the hall outside of the floor. This does not include all of the other hallways. I mean, I know this sounds strange perhaps to our listeners, but this is where the journalists usually worked, right? They would yeah. sort of Scout Almost ambush. Sometimes. Yeah, they would ambush. Parliament or they, members going into their well, uh, cabinets. You know, it's, it's also their job, right? Mm-hmm. Sort of to follow Parliament members as they're going to their offices. And oftentimes we would see interviews taking place in these hallways in front of MPs' offices. So now they will not be allowed to do that. Um, they can also work in the park of the National Assembly, apparently. Well, journalists can carry out professional activities in the offices of the MPs only if they are allowed to. The bill was drafted by the Speaker Alan Simonian and Sisak Caprielian from the Civil Contract Faction, which is interesting because Sisak was a former journalist and now as a former journalist, current member of parliament, he's placing a lot of restrictions on journalists, so that's an interesting observation. According to Gabrielian, the proposed changes are aimed at regulating uh, the activities of journalists in parliament and ensuring the proper coverage of the work of the National Assembly. We also published an article about this by Shushan Doidoyan, who wrote a very impassioned article about, you know, when you restrict coverage of the work of the countries in the highest body that writes the laws, you do not contribute to democracy and you don't contribute to any kind of social solidarity and cohesion. So it is a very interesting turn of events and not a a promising one indeed. And in other news, family members of Armenian servicemen who are still missing in action and POWs who nine months after the war continued to remain in Azerbaijani captivity were protesting in front of the National Security Service building. Demonstrators demanded clarifications from the head of the NSS regarding the fate of captives and wanted to know about the steps being taken to return the POWs home. Armen Abazian, the head of the NSS, met with the family members following a two-hour-long meeting. One of the parents 
told reporters that they have reached an agreement with Abazian, and he will be providing all of the data they have managed to gather. The water crisis in Artsakh's capital, Stepanagert, has not yet been resolved. It is estimated that 30% of the city does not have access to water, and it is being delivered to the residents from adjacent regions or from adjacent neighborhoods, actually, in Stepanagert, with the help of the State Service of Emergency Situations. The increased population of Stepanagert, lack of precipitation, and extreme weather conditions in general are the primary reasons for the lack of water. Prior to the war, Stepanagert had approximately 60,000 residents, but in the months following the war, that number is now at approximately 75,000. And this week, Arai Khartouni and Artsakh's president instructed to start the construction of the Patara Reservoir and the pipelines leading from the Patara River to Stepanagert water supply system and completed within a short period of time. He noted that the construction of the reservoir will ensure the uninterrupted operation of the water supply system of the capital as well as solve the issue of drinking and irrigation water in a number of communities of the Askaran region. And speaking of Harutunyan, he was in Armenia this week and had a meeting with the members of parliament of the civil contract faction. During the meeting, issues related to socioeconomic and security concerns of the population of Artsakh were discussed. Well, let's just remember that last time he was in Armenia, there were protests in mm-hmm. Artsakh demanding his resignation, and yet he's visited again. And deputy mayors of Goris, Irina Yaloyan and Menuwa Hovsepian, were apprehended this week. According to the statement issued by the investigative committee, the two are suspected of large-scale embezzlement. Hovsepian is also accused of electoral violations. Besides the deputy mayors, two other employees of the municipality were also apprehended. Hovsepian will remain under pretrial detention, while the remaining three were released. Uruguay plans to open an embassy in Armenia. The foreign minister of Uruguay, Francisco Busti, who was in Armenia this week on an official visit, made the announcement during the joint press conference um, with who was the former acting foreign minister, Armen Grigorian. He stressed that Uruguay values its relations with Armenia and wants to further strengthen them. The two also had a meeting and exchanged views on the situation resulting from the Azerbaijani-Turkish aggression against Artsakh. Grigorian stressed that Armenia greatly appreciates Uruguay's principled position regarding the aggression and went on to remind the country's legislature condemned the involvement of mercenaries by Turkey in the Nagorno-Karabakh conflict, cases of human rights violations by Azerbaijan, and the shelling of civilian infrastructures. And finally, um, Yerevan Mayor Haik Marutyan has uh, decided that Erepuni Yerevan celebrations will not be held this year. This year marks the 2,803rd anniversary of the establishment of the capital. Instead, the funds that were going to be allocated for the celebrations from the city budget will be redirected to the 100 Houses in Artsakh program and the modernization of the Erepuni Historical and Archaeological Reserve Museum and the Yerevan History Museum, which will be celebrating its 90th anniversary this year. And the 100 Homes in Artsakh is a joint project implemented by Public TV of Armenia and the Aprelu Artsakh Foundation, is like an Artsakh to live in, which aims to provide housing to those residents of Artsakh who were left homeless or displaced by the war. The houses will be built near the village of Dahrav in the Askeran region. And that's the kind of week we've had here in Armenia. Thank you for listening. Have a good weekend, and we will be back again next week. Mm-hmm.